Y'all ready to get in the word this morning? Yeah. Come on, I said y'all ready to get in the word this morning. Yeah. Until all of y'all amen me, I'm not stopping. Y'all ready to get in the word this morning? Yeah. That's from the front to the back, from the left to the right, from the youngest to the oldest. Y'all ready to get in the word this morning? Yeah. Pastor, why do you keep asking me? Well, it just kind of goes hand in hand with the sermon that I preached last week. You better have come excited this morning with expectation this morning or you're not going to get any miraculous out of this moment. Oh, why? Okay, I'm going to come over here because y'all shouting louder than this side is over here. I said, are we excited about the word? Yeah. Are we expecting about the word? Yeah. Then you better get ready and buckle your seatbelt for the miraculous. Come on. Okay, so we've been in this series for the last two weeks called The Kingdom. And the kingdom is represented as God's way of doing things. The kingdom is not a place. It's the way that we should live. And unfortunately, in today's culture and society, we want to live our way and call it the kingdom of God. In fact, we want to tell God how to build his kingdom. God, I don't like that fence there. Put that fence over there. God, I don't like that wall. Put that wall over there. God, I don't like the temperature in the room. Can you fix the temperature? But unfortunately, we have been telling God how to do things over the years. And God says, time out. This is the appointed time where my church will finally operate according to my standards, not theirs. So I need you to kind of buckle your seatbelt, shave off the fat moments of your life, and just understand that God's leaning us down so that we can fulfill his purpose. I got to say this as a sidebar, and I don't mean this offensively, but the church has become fat and sassy. We become a bunch of sissies who don't declare the kingdom. We declare our emotions and our opinions, and when somebody says something that we don't like, we walk out of the doors. Did you know that Jesus didn't come to make friends with you? He came to offend you. Why do I know that? Because the Bible says, Jesus says, that offenses will come. The reason we don't like to be offended is because we don't like change. We don't want to change who we are. We want God to change who he is. And God says, I change not. It's you that I've required to change. But you're going to have to let me in and bring change to your life. So as we march into this series, as we march into stage phase three of this or part three of this, I need you to understand that change is a part of this. Stop just hearing words and walking out going, that was a good word. As long as it's a good word to you, it's my opinion to your emotions. But once you finally realize it's a good word and you apply it, it becomes something that changes you from the inside out. Don't let ever let a moment of the word being preached that you don't allow it to change you on the inside. Because if you refuse to allow the word to change you on the inside, you will never see the fruit on the outside. Over the last two weeks, I've tried to convey to you that this, is, that this word, the word of God, is what causes the kingdom to work in us. How many of y'all want the kingdom of God to manifest? then baby, you better have a word on the inside of you. Because if there's no word on the inside of you, there is no seed. And if there is no seed, there is no tree. And if there is no tree, there is no harvest. There is no produce. So quit trying to bear produce without a seed planted in your life. I've been trying to help you understand that without the word, we don't grow. We cannot just grow in services anymore. We can't grow in just attendance. We can't grow just because we came to church. We have to grow because the word of God is deposited on the inside of us. Watch this. What happens if the church closes? What happens if all of this stops? What will you do then? Well, I got to find somebody else to declare the word to me so I can grow. What do you think they did before churches existed? I'm not talking about the synagogues that were, that, were, that were religious. I'm not talking about the religious faith. I'm talking about where they allowed God to be God. Not operating by the law, but operating under the presence and the power of God. What are you going to do if the church stops? This is a real question right now. Look at the climate of your culture. Look at the climate of the times. What happens if something were to stop? We've joked about this for years. We've talked about this. What are we going to do then? What will we do when that happens? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's going to die. Or are you going to stand up because there is a word buried on the inside of you? And when that word comes out, it's going to produce some amazing fruit. It is time to let the seed create a root system on the inside of us. 
It is time for the kingdom of God to become the way that we live. No, without the word of God, there is no kingdom, no kingdom purpose, no kingdom pursuit, no kingdom desire, no kingdom anything. And here's the funny part. We're really good at praying the Our Father. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lies. Lies in the church. Because we don't want the kingdom because we don't want his will. You know what we want? We want his blessings. Oh, y'all look at me like a bunch of Presbyterians in this church this morning. All right, praise the Lord. That's all we want. God, give me, give me, give me. Put it in my hand. Fix me, fix me, fix me. God says, when will you do my will? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, not your kingdom, his kingdom. Does your kingdom look like his kingdom or does his kingdom have to look like yours? Does God bring his kingdom and you think you're a part of the fixer-up crew that's going to tell God how to fix the walls? Or are you saying, God, if your kingdom come, then your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? How many of you would really like to see what God has in heaven for you on earth? Oh, I see I'm going to catch this one in a second. So if thy kingdom come, then thy will be done. His will is greater than your will. So stop living in your will and live in his will. So therefore, you might see heaven come to earth. But pastor, I don't understand why it's not working for me. I don't understand why it's such a struggle. Because the kingdom of God is not your way of living yet. It has become something we visit on Sundays. Something we dress up for and look cute for and put makeup on for and do our hair off cool for. And carry our Bibles. Look how good I am. I'm that good church person. I've got my Bible. Yet we did not crack it Monday through Saturday. Can I just say this to you as a sidebar real quick? Sunday is not enough to make you kingdom. Didn't want to hear that this morning. Nope, didn't want to hear that. Sunday is not enough to make you kingdom. Monday proves your kingdom. Because when you wake up on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday or a Friday or a Saturday, and you have a desire to find out what God thinks about you, what God declares over you, what God believes for in you and your family, then now all of a sudden you're saying, God, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come so thy will be done on earth as you have painted it in heaven kingdom must come for his will to be done how will it come through you and me let let me let me help with something don't ask god to heal this land until you decide to finally become kingdom minded i was gonna sit there for a minute oh god we're in perilous times what if i told you because you don't have your mind in the kingdom you're a part of perilous times Because if we were kingdom come, thy will be done, then we would not be afraid of what's happening. We would understand that God is still in control. We wouldn't be worried about what is and isn't or this or that. Can I just say this to you? I haven't gone here in a couple weeks, but I got to go here. Since the election, I have not thought one thing about anything politically. Not one thing. Not, Not one thing. Can I just be honest with you? I don't care. Can I tell you why? Because he's not my king. No president is. Because my heart and my mind and my spirit, man, is kingdom. I'm going to live according to the word. And here's what the word says. Pray for your kings. Pray for the ones who are setting authority above you. Believe God for them. Pastor, I can't do that. Then you don't have the kingdom in you. Oh, it gets tight. It gets tight because people don't want to hear this. They want to hear, no, no. Then don't claim God. Claim yourself. 
Because the Bible declares that he appoints kings and magistrates. For whose bidding? His. There is nothing that happens in the earth that God does not know about. Did you think he was surprised? Do you think he's ever been surprised? Do Whether you like what happened in the last four years or don't like what happened in the last four years. Do you think God was going, oh, I never saw this coming. God's going, no. I'm working it for my good. Because I'm preparing a people who are not yet a people. I'm raising up a remnant who will declare my kingdom over everything else. I'm raising up a people who finally realize politics don't decide the end of the earth. I do. So I'm going to walk with you. That's what he's doing. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wants to make his will done in the earth, but it's going to take you and me. It is not up to the church and the preacher on a Sunday morning. It's not up to the worship team. It is up to you and me. Why did I say at the beginning of this, are you excited about the word? Because if there's no excitement about the word, then you are not ready to go into the kingdom of God. You are still stuck in your opinions and your emotions. And that's what's destroying the church. Because opinions and emotions are ruining us. Because we are more addicted to our personal thoughts than to the change that God wants to do on the inside of us. So in week one, I asked you what kind of soil you are. We dealt with the four kinds of soil. And and I, and I told you, I said, in order for the kingdom to dwell in you, your soil has to be ready to receive. Now, if there's anger in you right now, right where you sit right now, if you're frustrated about something, maybe I've said something in the last 10 minutes that you didn't like. Tell God to break up the fallow ground so you can receive what's coming. I can't believe he brought up politics. I can't believe he brought up the president. I can't believe he brought up, man, man, I can come here, all that, come here, all that. I'm trying to break up your fallow ground because you're stuck. Because you'd rather me say what you want to hear rather than declare what God wants you to receive. Is your soil ready to receive this morning? If God pours water on the seed that gets planted, will it receive the water or will it reject it? And last week I talked to you about being excited, excitement about the kingdom of God in Matthew chapter 13. And in order for the kingdom to take root, you must be excited. How many of y'all are worried? Y'all ain't going to tell me nothing right now. Y'all ain't going to say it. Y'all are like, oh, no, no, I'm not saying it because if I say it, he's going to say something. You're right. How many of y'all over the last few weeks have been worried? Just about the political, the economical, the social, the blah, blah, blah. You got stuck in the news. Can I get away from you right now? That's me, Pastor. I've been worried. Okay, let me, let me say this to you with love. Let me say this to you with love. Your worry will rob the fullness of God manifesting on the inside of you. If worry becomes a part of who you are, then God cannot declare his kingdom in you because worry will supersede his authority. Because the moment he speaks to something, you'll argue with him. Because you are addicted to the worry rather than addicted to the promise. So let me say this to you. You're going to have to trade worry for the word. Worry is a word. Come on, work with me for a second. Worry doesn't come without words attached to it. Because a worry only takes root and has fruit when it's spoken. You can't feel a worry. You have to speak a worry. And if you're speaking a worry, then the word of God is not coming out of you. It is now the worry that is coming out of you. It has now taken root on the inside of you. And that is the fruit you are now producing. Change the worry words for the word words and let the word of God come out of you so that when the worry comes in, it dies and the word just takes over. Let the kingdom of God manifest. So here we go, week three. We're going to get into the revelation of the kingdom. Hello, here it comes. The revelation of the kingdom. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. 
And we're going to read two bits of scripture here this morning, so I want you to bear with me as we read this. But you can stay right in Matthew chapter 13, because that's where we're going to be. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. If you got it, say, I got it, Pastor. If you don't, say, help me, Jesus. I'm still looking. Help me, Jesus. Lord, help them right now. Send the word of help right now. Amen. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24, it says this. Here is another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. And when the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the fields where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, this farmer, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked? The response was, No. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, and burn them, and to put the wheat into the barn. Now, before we go into this, and a lot of times when you're reading Scripture and you're praying as a pastor, you're asking God to give you the revelation as to what he wants to speak to the church. But as I was reading this Scripture, I found out that Jesus actually gave the explanation to this Scripture, which I was like, thanks, God, because I thought you were telling me something different, but I'll get to that in a second. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 37 through 43, it says this. Jesus replied, the son of man is the farmer who plants good seed. The field is the world, and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. Hello. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. Somebody say the devil. See, we don't want to say it in church anymore. No. Yes, the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. Verse 40. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. Now, now I want you to understand this. This is not Old Testament. This is New Testament. So all the people that are stuck in the hyper-grace thought, that's not what this word says right here. Can I just read that space to you one more time? The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will remove from his kingdom what? Everything that causes sin. Nobody wants to hear this anymore. And all who do evil. Do not get lost in grace that you forget that you are a sinner saved by grace. Don't become one of the ones that he removes. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous, can I get any righteous folk in the house? Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear, let them listen and understand. Now that you know what Jesus was speaking to this moment, as I was reading this, I got really kind of frustrated because I started reading, writing based on the first stuff I wrote, read. And I was like, oh, I got this word, I got this word. And, and then I'm reading through and I went, well, well dang it, God, why, why did you put that there? Why would you give me this word and then you tell me what it is? I didn't want that. I wanted you to speak a brand new word. He said, I am speaking a brand new word to you. How do you think this thing's gone on for 2,000 years? I spoke to that moment. Please speak to this one. Here's the truth of it. Here's the great thing about the word of God, why the kingdom of God is so great for us, is that God brings revelation through his kingdom. And when you and I read, God says, listen, I was speaking to a moment there. Now I'm speaking to you in this moment. And so I need you to be a declarer of what? My kingdom in the earth. 
Because here's the truth of it. We're not dealing with the same things today they were dealing with then. Can I just be honest with you? I think we're dealing with far worse. Somebody asked me years ago, Pastor, when's the rapture coming? Pastor, when's this coming? Pastor, are you pre-trib or post-trib? I'm trib. What do you mean by that? I'm just ready. I'm not trying to figure out if I'm going before or after, baby. I'm just ready. But, but what are you saying? I'm just ready. He said, be ready in season and out of season. He said, don't get your head so stuck in the cloud you forget what you're called to do here in the earth. He said, just be prepared. Be a vessel that's ready to receive when I call you home. But don't be looking into the clouds, getting yourself lost like the disciples did when Jesus went up to heaven. They said, we got work to do. Let's go. Yeah. Pastor, Pastor, what, what, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I'm going to rest. And when that trumpet sounds, I'm... What, what if they're like, I can't change the way that works. If you don't make it with me, I don't know what to tell you. I'm trying to get you there. I'm trying to get us there. But we got to do this thing together. We got to accept the kingdom together. Can I just say this to you? I, I'm going to say this to you. You might be surprised who made it to heaven, but you might be really surprised who doesn't. I'm just saying that to you as a sidebar because I think all of us want to think that everybody's going to make it. Ah, not everyone who says, yay, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of the Lord. Not everyone who says yes. Not everyone, because here's the truth of it. You can change a yes to a no like that. If you don't believe me, if you don't believe what I'm telling you, look at people in the Bible who told God no and didn't inherit the promise. But pastor, why is God like that? Because God has a plan. If you don't adhere to the plan, then you don't get to fulfill the promise. But you got to walk in the plan. That means you don't get to tell God what the plan is. You get to do what the plan says. But God, I don't like the plan. I didn't ask you if you like the plan. It's like my kids getting up in the morning going, Dad, I don't want to school. I don't care if you don't want to go to school. You're going to school. But I don't like school. I didn't like school either, but you're going to school. Why do I got to go to school? Because you're not going to be stupid. <laughs> but, Dad, you don't know. I do understand. I get it. It stinks. I don't like it either. I don't want to get up. I don't want to hear somebody talk to me for eight hours a day and tell me a bunch of stuff that I'm probably not going to use when I'm 20-something years old. My son comes to me and goes, Dad, why do I have to learn this math? I don't know, son. I really don't know. I've never used that kind of math a day in my life. I don't know. I don't know how to solve variables. Don't ask me what Y equals. I have no idea. How do you get to Y? I don't know. It's an alphabet. It's not a number. What are we doing here? <laughs> but all those math people are like, oh, I get that. That's my stuff right there. I'm so proud of you that God did not call me to do that mess. <laughs> God knew what he was doing. He made me. He said, Brian, I'm going to call you to preach because math is not your strong suit, son. I make a joke with people all the time. I graduate with what they call boom-boom math. Y'all know what boom-boom math is? That's enough for you to graduate. Amen. <laughs> Somebody said, I graduated with calculus. Baby, I graduated with pre-algebra. Amen. <laughs> The fact that algebra was even in the equation was a godsend. But I'm not dumber because of it. How did I get to all that? I have no idea. I just feel like talking about my stuff. Amen. At the end of the day, you and I have to step into a place where we are walking into the moment of what the revelation God's going to bring. Here's the truth of it. Stop walking around with my revelation and calling it your word. The revelation that I bring on a Sunday morning is because I've sat myself in the presence of God. I've labored myself into the presence of God. I've prayed and sought the Lord. I've laid up on this floor and sought his face and asked him to speak to me. I've written pages of notes. There are nine pages to this sermon this morning. That's my revelation. Do you understand that Sunday mornings are only here to give you a greater desire to pursue greater revelation? Sunday mornings are not so you can get all the answers and have all the answers. Like, well, pastor said it. That settles it. Show me one time in the Bible it says, because Brian spoke it on a Sunday, that's it. 
This is my revelation. This is what God's speaking to me for you. But what are you going to go get this week? Oh, God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The kingdom of God will not manifest in your life until the word becomes a part of your life. Until you have a desire to allow this thing to take root in your life. This is not a book that is cute to carry on a Sunday. This is a book that declares the beginning and the end. It declares my promise. declares your promise. Walk in the word. Walk in the kingdom. It is time that you and I do this, but I struggled with this word. Because I'm such a word guy, I, I look at all the details. I look at every word. I believe that even the word and and a have power in Scripture. Some of you go, that's just a word. No, it's not because the Bible says that every word has power. Every word has power. So when I see an and and an a, I get excited because I'm trying to figure out what he's trying to find. What I'm, it's like a treasure. Oh, it's like a treasure hidden. I got to uncover it. I have an excitement to uncover what I might find in this, in this word. But... This word brings a greater revelation, and the kingdom of God is a revelation to the spirit inside of you so that you can carry it in all the seasons that you're in. This is because the word of God does not just speak to one moment, but to the kingdom purpose in each of us. It speaks to the situation in the present and the future, not just the past. Can I just say this to you? Will you please stop using the word to fix what you broke a while back? Hmm. God. Here. God. Battle scars are good. For those of you that have them, they're good. Because nobody wants to get in a fight with somebody that doesn't have battle scars. I don't want to be told by somebody who's never had to start a church what pastoring a church is really like. I was handed my church when I was 30. My dad handed me the church and I just took over. I don't want to go and hang out with those people because they don't know what it's like to start with five people. They don't know the amount of hours that requires a prayer because you're wondering, you're praying cars in as they're driving past the street. God, will you let them turn in? Nope. Okay, will you let them turn in? Nope. Okay, Brian, go in and preach. But God, there's only five. Good, start with five. I started with 12. I didn't start with the multitudes. I started with 12. Can you go do what I've purposed you to do? But God, you, but God, you don't. I do understand. Everything that has greatness in it requires work. Do the work. Plow the field. Let's go. So many times we want the word of God to speak to things in our past, and we want God to fix. But what's God speaking to your future? We spend more time looking where we've been than, than seeing where we're going. And God goes, my kingdom calls you forward, not backwards. Why do you keep going back and whining over this foolishness I delivered you from already? You're nothing more than the Israelites who cried to go back to Egypt. Because even those who have been delivered can think that the pain is the promise. The word of God doesn't just speak to one moment, but to the kingdom purpose in each of us. When you allow the kingdom to dwell in you, it will begin to give revelation and insight. The kingdom of God is your next steps, your next level, your next move. It is not Sunday attendance, Jack. It is not hearing me preach. That is not your next level. Your next level is what you will put into this walk. Your next level is whether or not you will adhere to this word. Your next level is whether you'll just hear me and say cute amens, or you'll go home and finally apply this thing and start living according to this thing. God will show you the mysteries of his word so that you can carry the kingdom to those who come in contact with you. Can I say that to you one more time? God will show you the mysteries of his word so that you can carry the kingdom to those you come in contact with. Did you think that God gives you his word so you can harbor it and hold it and, and store it up for your own self? Uh-uh. He said, I gave you a word so you could declare a word. Because <laughs> he said, I've given you an assignment to set the captives free. And you breaking out a hammer and a chisel trying to break their chains isn't going to fix it. It's my word that'll separate them. It's my word that'll free them. It's my word that'll deliver them. What's in your mouth? Let the abundance of my heart, the meditation of my 
What are you going to do next? What are you going to speak next? You going to tell me how bad your day is? You going to tell me how good your God is? You going to tell me how scared you are? Or are you going to tell me how much faith is built up on the inside of you? How, what are you going to declare next? Oh, pastor, you just don't understand the devil, the devil, the devil. Well, then where's God? Because if the devil has that much authority in your conversation, how much does God have authority in your conversation? You ever woken up in the morning and ached in your body? You ever done that? I'm 43. I got some aches. Amen. You ever get up in the morning like, ooh, ooh what's that? <laughs> ah. Never felt that before. Oh, there it is. Oh, the devil's a liar. Oh, the devil, the devil, 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 devil. No, you're getting older. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Ligaments and bones don't do what they used to do. Amen. I learned that the hard way this winter when I decided to play football on the beach and ate a bunch of sand. Amen. <laughs> I found out that I cannot run like I used to run. Amen. I found like, doesn't matter if I played football when I was younger, I don't play it today. Amen. <laughs> I watch it on TV. Amen. But the truth be told is, is that we, we have this idea that we can continue to do this without fresh revelation, or we can continue to live this life and not let the kingdom of God finally take hold. I, I just want to say this. Um, churches are going to empty in this next season because there is no kingdom inside of people. I mark what I'm saying to you right now, and if I've ever, if I've ever heard anything come out of my mouth, listen to this one. Churches are about to empty in this next season. Because they are built on opinion and emotion and not the kingdom of God. And those who do not declare the kingdom of God in this next season will lose what God has placed on them. I'm saying that for all of Facebook to hear, whoever will watch this on YouTube, and for you sitting in this room. Pastor, that's a very dark word. That's not a dark word. That's a declaration. Because I know what God's about to do in the earth, and I'm excited. I have this, I'm, I'm, whoa, I'm pumped. People go, Pastor, shut up. Don't say nothing. Shh. Don't talk. You're not robbing my joy right now. You're not robbing my excitement. I don't care what you think. I know what my word says, and my rest is in him. Can we break down this scripture for just a few moments this morning? Book of Matthew, chapter 13, back in verse 24, it says this. Here is another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the worker slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. Can I just say this to you? Every time that you hear a word from God, I need you to understand that the, the enemy is always standing by. Have y'all ever figured that out yet? I mean, you get a word, you're like, yes. And then you get out the car and you're like, no, where'd it go? Crying, doggone it. You might've said other words, but I'm using the church versions. Amen. You, 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 you get a man. That's a word for me. That's a word for me. By the time you get to the car, you've forgotten it because the enemy came to Take it from you. Watch, watch what John 10, 10 says. Ready? The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, now you understand the two separate divisions between the enemy and what God has for your life, right? But let me break something down for you. Ready for this? Here it comes. Here it comes. Did you know that the enemy cannot steal, kill, and destroy your life? He cannot. You want to know why? Because the enemy did not create your life. God did. God is the creator of all things. The enemy is not. So watch this. The enemy, when people come and go, the devil took them. If you are in sin, yes. If you have conveniently given your life to sin, then yes. But if you are in the things of God, 
The enemy can't take your life. He has no authority to do it. So please, whatever you do from this point forward, stop giving the enemy authority over life. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What? Your dreams and visions. Without a vision, people perish. So the enemy comes in to distract you. He get, that God gives you an assignment. He says, here's the way. Walk in it. And the enemy comes in and goes, I wonder if I can get them off. I wonder if I can get them off. I wonder if I can sow some seeds in the middle of their word. I wonder if I can put some wheat or some, some weeds in the middle of their word. I'm going to try to get them off of the word. How many times has God given you word and you haven't fulfilled it? It's because you got caught in the weeds, not caught in the word. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Watch. If I'm speaking more about the weeds than I am the satisfaction of the things of God, then I have been distracted by the weeds and there no longer is any harvest manifesting in my life. Here it comes. Watch. The word comes in and the word comes out. The word comes in and the word comes out. I'll never forget years ago I was talking to a teenager when I was a youth pastor. They had a cussing problem. Cussing, cursing, however you say it. I say cussing. I'm from the South. Amen. And so they had a cussing problem. And I said, man, what, what are you listening to? I said, bring me your, this will show age, bring me your CD collection. I want to see it. At least I didn't say cassette tape. Can I get an amen? I could have gone there. Boy, you got that mixtape? Come on now. All right, all right. So, so I said, bring me your CD collection. Let me see it. They brought it. Man, the stuff they brought me, devil, 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 devil. Bro, no wonder you got a cussing problem. What, what, how are you okay with this? I know what these things say. I know what they, what they declare. There's a reason why it says explicit lyrics on the CD. And you wonder, I'm just trying to get free from my cousin addiction. I can tell you how to start. That word's become stronger than that word in you. Because what you put in will come out. Let me help parents in the room. Let me help with something. If you've got a kid that's got a cussing problem, you might want to find out what they're putting in. Don't get mad at them because they've got a cussing problem. Find out what's going in. And then teach them what the right stuff is to put in. And show them why it benefits them in the long run. Don't get mad. Don't get frustrated. And let me just say this to another sidebar. Maybe the reason that they're in is because we're not paying enough attention. Because we let YouTube raise our kids now. Amen. Okay. Sorry. God's given you a word. Anybody got a word from God? Oh, watch this. Watch this. Watch. No, I don't have a word from God. Yes, you do. You do. Let me prove it to you. Dun, 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 dun. Here's your word. Pastor, I've never had a word from God because you've never got in the word from God. But Pastor, I don't have a word. I need a prophetic word. This was a prophetic word. It still is a prophetic word. Pastor, I need somebody to speak it. I don't know how much special of a person could have spoke this thing than this. God brought this word to fruition. I'm not God. Please stop waiting for me to be your God. Let him be your God. Let his word become the root of your life. When people look at you, what are you standing on? You stand on the, you stand on the foundation of your church? You stand on the foundation of the things of God. Stop getting frustrated when weeds show up in the middle of your word. It says it right here. It says the word came and then weeds got planted. How does weeds get planted? Because the enemy wants you to lose sight of the promise that's to come. Because weeds grow faster than seeds. Weeds grow faster than seeds, and it is our impatience to see the fruit of the seed come to pass that we get lost in the weeds. God says, celebrate the weeds, because the weeds only come because there's seed. 
The reeds only come because there's about to be a harvest. Don't get upset when things don't look the way you want them to look. Celebrate and get excited. Why? Because you know the power of the seed is greater than the weed that is showing up. Amen. Some of y'all still look at me like I'm lost. That's all right. I love it. It goes on in verse 27. It says, the farmer's workers went to him and said, sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? Oh. Those who are kingdom planters know exactly where the weeds come from. But please be careful of the people who state the obvious and don't declare the promise. Can, can I, I? I get so frustrated with people who like to talk about the weeds more than they like to talk about the seed. You just—it's just so bad. Okay, I get there are struggles in life, and I get sometimes we need encouragement, and I get so. But my God, every every day, every day, seriously, every day, every day, every day. Because if every day you got a problem, you do not have a God. Because God is bigger than the boogeyman. Some of y'all kids know that song, or older people know what I'm talking about. God is God is bigger than your struggle. God's bigger than your problems. But what are we cultured to do? What are we cultured to do? We are cultured to have problems because every problem needs a savior. Can I, can I say this to you? Can I say this to you? Stop living your life needing Superman moments from God and just live your life knowing that God's Superman. Stop. Oh, God, I need rescuing again. Why'd you crawl in the ditch, dummy? Well, I didn't mean to. I didn't see it. It's because your mind was caught up in something else and you weren't focused on me. But here I come. I'm going to come do it because I love you because you called on me. I'm going to be faithful to my word. But how do I get you to stop falling into the ditch? Truth be told is that some of us are more cultured to live in the ditch than we are to live in the promise. You ever met people that are just drama prone? You know those people that even if there's no drama, they create drama because they don't know how to live without drama? Those people drive me nuts. I'm like, buh-bye. I don't have time. Like, I can't deal with you. Why? Because I don't, I don't have enough energy. I'll get frustrated. I say stuff. <laughs> I just say things. I'm like, you lost your mind. What is wrong with you? I don't know. God. You have family members that just like to cause drama? Look, people are like, I ain't saying nothing, Pastor. I ain't saying it. Okay, I, I've had some. Amen. At the end of the day, I, I, I know that things have to change, and I know that when God gives me a word, the enemy comes to distract. It comes in to get me off track. It, it comes in with situations and circumstances to get me off focus, but, but I need to celebrate the weeds. I need to celebrate locking my keys in the car. I need to celebrate the person driving slow on a rainy day. I need to celebrate not finding a close parking space at Walmart. I need to celebrate that person in the items of 20 less that shows up with 72. No, those people are like, hey, you're in the wrong line. You need to move. No, I'm just kidding. Let's go find a different line. I'm not trying to start a war at Walmart because people will fight at Walmart, Jack. They will fight. They will pull out blades and knives and cut you at Walmart. Okay, so, so but, but those things that happen in our lives, those things that we walk into in our lives, we, we get so frustrated. I don't understand. I don't understand. Everything in the earth has a purpose. Everything in the earth has a purpose. Everything in a, your calamity is God's greatest moment. Because that's the moment that he gets to demonstrate his greatest power in you. When you go through something, lift up your hands, lift up your voice and say, God, I got it. 
because I'm going to let you me. I'm going to let you use me as a vessel to demonstrate your power in the earth. Stop looking at your bad moments as a death moment, as a, as, a, as a death assignment. Look at it as a moment for God to be God in you and through you. Because that's how he demonstrates the kingdom is through your life. Through your life. A couple weeks back, we, God laid on my heart to pray for people that were sick. I didn't know everything that Mr. Paul was going through. But he comes up here and he receives the prayer and God fixes him. Why? Because he knew that the kingdom of God wanted to do something great in him. Y'all didn't know this. He was on security detail in the hallway. When I said prayer, that brother comes. He walks through the door pulling off his radio. I was like, come on. He's like, I'm coming to get mine. Here's the problem. We don't even come to God like that anymore. We feel like we got to stay in our position and God should come see us. No, he said, come unto me, all ye that are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Come to me. He already came to you, Jack. You're not going to hell. Now come to him. He demonstrated it first. Your turn. Tag your it. But we don't come eagerly anymore. We just come. I don't understand why God's going to make me go to the altar. I don't want to go to the altar. Well, be comfortable in your sinful seat then. You don't like me talking about the kingdom because it gets me wound up. Amen. Those who are kingdom planners know where the weeds come from. Be careful of people who state the obvious and don't declare the promise. They don't report. They take authority. People who understand the kingdom, they don't report the bad stuff. They just take authority over it. I don't need to come tell you that I don't feel good in my body. I know I'm healed because God said I'm healed. Pastor, how are you feeling? I feel great. Even if I got a fever, my throat might be hurting. I don't care. God is good all the time and all the time. Run around, I'm sick, I'm dying, I got the vid. Oh God, I got the vid. Oh Jesus, the 19, I got it. Oh God. <laughs> Get it? Get away from it and let's move on. <laughs> oh God, I'm gonna die. No, you're not. What, what, the Bible doesn't say, hey, hey, in, in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 10, those who get the COVID-19 will die. Said a thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but no plague shall come nigh my dwelling. But Pastor, you got the vid. The plague came to your house, but didn't stay. It didn't stay. And I found a great opportunity out of ten days of being in a bedroom by myself on a twin bed that was so ungodly. I found myself asking God what He wanted to talk to me about in those ten days, because obviously He needed some time alone with me. No, Pastor, you got the vid. No, I got time with God. <laughs> you go, I got, I got quarantine. No, God separated you, consecrated you, because he had some things to talk to you about. See, this is how you got to shift it. Kingdom versus the enemy. Kingdom, weeds versus seeds. <laughs> ah, we're good. I got a break from my kids. My wife wanted to kill me, but that's okay. Here, you put the mask on, you walk in. Are you okay? Uh-uh. Go back in the room. Whoo! No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. <laughs> My wife's looking at me right now going, ah, you sold on yourself. No, I didn't do that. No, I slept more than I've ever slept in my entire life. That was crazy. But anyway, we have this, we have this joke in our house called the ESPN analogy. Okay. And it's something we... <laughs> you know people just walk in the room and just state the obvious? Okay, you ever watch sportsmen, women, when you ever watch ESPN? There used to be a guy by the name of Chris, and I can't remember his last name ever. Kyle, yeah, Collinsworth. He, 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 whoop! He used to, but, but I, I, it used to drive me nuts because if you're watching a guy who's commentating on a basketball game, 
they will watch them dunk the ball, and he goes, he just dunked the ball. And we respond with, da-na-na, da-na-na. <laughs> Duh, we all saw it. We watched him dunk it. Why are you telling I saw him dunk it. Here would be really cool if the guy that was reporting on the sport could tell me what was going to happen before it happened. Now, that would be cool. But the guy who's reporting on sports just tells you, here it is, and you're watching, you're going, thanks. So what happened was in our house, people would walk around and be like, it's raining outside. Like I couldn't hear the rain on the roof. Thanks for telling me. It's cold outside. That's why the heat's on. Hello. Okay. You ever had people that state the obvious? Listen, people who are attracted to weeds love to state the obvious. People who have a lot of weeds and no seed love to state the obvious. They love to talk about things that are existing rather than things that are promised. Don't come to me and talk to me about where I am. Tell me where I'm going. Tell me where God's calling me. I I know where I'm at, Jack. I live here every day. I woke up in this. You weren't around when I woke up this morning. I know what I stepped into. But don't come around me and go, Pastor, I'm so sorry you're sick. Thank you. Yay. Thanks. Why don't you say, man, listen, Pastor, I know where you are, but I know I'm believing and declaring that God's going to heal you and your body's going to line up with the Word of God. And I believe that everything that God's promised over your life is going to come into fruition, that this isn't going to hurt you, that this is just a moment, a temporary setback, but God's got a plan and a promise. I'm standing with you in agreement. Holy cow. Guess what I'm not thinking about, my sickness? Don't come tell me stuff. Tell me where God's telling, taking me. Isn't that what we're supposed to do for each other? To build up, to edify, to encourage, to strengthen one another? In what? The things of the Lord? The things of God? We're not doing that anymore. Did you see that sinner? I don't know why she's at church. She don't need to be in church. She needs to to get her heart right before she walks in this door. We're a bunch of saved people in here and said, they're a sinner. You know what she did last night? How do you know what she did last night? And the only reason you know what she did is because you were somewhere in the vicinity to see what she did. So instead of tattling on somebody else, why don't we tattle on you? Amen. Stop dealing with weeds, man. Stop talking about the weeds, man. Listen, if somebody walks into this house, okay. God, help me, Jesus. Let's just, let's just for just a moment, let's just be very carnal for a second. <gasps> carnal. We have a strip club in Slidell. <gasps> we do. Let's say somehow you know that person that works at the strip club comes to church on a Sunday. Watch this. Is she a stripper or a child of God? Be careful that your eyes don't deceive you. And let your heart begin to see something that the enemy sees rather than what God sees in her. Do you see what she's wearing? Do you see what she's doing? Did you see what you were doing before you got saved? Or did you pop out the womb saved? It is amazing to me how church people will state the obvious rather than stating the future promise that God has on their lives. You want to know why people don't come to the cross anymore? It's because we've required rules and regulations for them to get there, and we as people have become barricades to them getting to the promise. If you can overhurdle my opinions and my emotion, you can get to Jesus. But until then, you're stuck because you're not holy enough. Only I am. I came out of the womb saved. Look how great I am. How great am I, God? Sing with me. No, shut up. Everyone deserves the cross. Everyone deserves the kingdom. Everyone deserves a relationship. Stop being a weed. Be a seed. It's time that we stop stating the obvious. He goes on in verse 28. He says, and an enemy has done this. The farmer exclaimed, an enemy, an enemy. Oh, my God, it's an enemy. God does not plant the weeds. The enemy does. Why? 
to create distraction. Because the enemy is a master of broken focus. If he can break your focus, he can break your destiny. Make, but make sure you give credit to whom credit's due. Don't ever make a dumb statement like, I don't understand why God allowed that. I don't understand why God would let me go through this. If God loved us so much, why is the world in turmoil? Because the heart, the inherent heart of people, the people, the heart of people all across this nation and the world ever created is inherently wicked. You are born into this world in what? Sin. It is not until you receive the Savior and you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior do you step out of sin into eternity, into the eternal life that God's called you to. So until that happens, those people are in sin. Do you understand what's now in the earth? But how could a God that loves us let that happen? Because he did. He came to seek and save that which is lost. He didn't come in and say, boom, everybody's changed. Because here's the great part about yours and my life. You have the choice to choose. Free will. Free will. The one thing different between you and the angels is that you have a free will. You have a choice to choose in this moment. Choose you this day whom you're going to serve. God's not going to push on you something. He's going to give you a gift, an option, a choice to have a better life than the world offers. When the world doesn't look like heaven, stop getting mad. Start bringing heaven to earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who brings the kingdom? Somebody say me. No, I thought it was your job, Pastor. I thought that's why we're in church, so you could bring the kingdom. We'll just come here and hear about the kingdom, and then we'll go about our week, and then we'll come back and hear about the kingdom. We'll go back about our week, and we'll come back. Uh Uh-uh. We've been called to carry the kingdom in the earth so that his kingdom can become what it is in heaven on earth. What did you think the kingdom was? Some kind of miracle unicorn falling from the sky? It's not. It's you. It's me. It's us stopping, ignoring one another. Start to love one another the same way God loves us. Stop being segregated and separated by skin color. Stop judging people by, by things that they did in their past and let God do his greatest work in them. Let the kingdom of God manifest on the inside of you. Celebrate people. Don't tear people down. Why is it that we're so addicted to hurting rather than we are healing? We're going to talk about unity. Oh, shut up. How about you just love your children first? Make sure you give credit to whom credit is due. Stop blaming God for your stuff. Give the enemy credit so that God can have his authority in your life. Let me ask you this question. Is the kingdom of God greater than the weeds the enemy has planted around you? Okay, let me say it a different way. Is the word that's in you greater than the weeds? And we all want to say with a resounding, yes. But you know how I know whether that's the truth? By what comes out of this. If you start talking like a weed, you are a weed. If you start talking like the kingdom, I know there's seed. The problem is, is we think that we can cover it up. Uh Uh-uh. Sit in a room and be quiet long enough and just listen. You'll find out where people are real fast. Don't get lost in asking God why the weeds and wasting valuable time. You could be learning and understanding the kingdom. Did you know that the weeds come so that you might find value in the seed? You get mad because weeds show up when you get a word from God. You get mad because the enemy's coming at you. You get mad because something seems like it's trying to distract you. I need you. I need you to listen to me. Can you stop getting angry at the weeds 
and start celebrating the seed. Stop letting the enemy get you lost in the weeds. It goes on in verse 28. I'm almost done. He says, should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. We as believers have such a tendency to be weed inspectors instead of weed harvesters. Let me walk into church. Let me see everybody else's weeds. You didn't realize that you left a trail when you walked in the door. Because those who spot weeds are weeds. Ah, that hurts, I know. The only reason that you would uproot the weeds is if you thought that the word of the kingdom did not have enough power to overcome the weed. Celebrate the weed. It gives the seed that much greater strength. Celebrate the weed. Don't worry about the weed. Don't be frustrated with the weed. Your worry and your frustration over the weeds only bring them life. It's kind of like this. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I don't know how you explain it because I don't have them, but the warts. Warts on your hands and stuff. They say that sometimes people get them because they worry. Or they're anxiety prone. It's what creates that space in your hands to develop those things. And the more you worry about them, the more they show up. <laughs> when you stop, that's why they put band-aids on them. So you stop thinking about them. Hello, the band-aid doesn't heal the wart, Jack. There's no miracle cure in a band-aid. It causes you to stop thinking about it, stop worrying about it, stop fidgeting with it, stop messing with it. Why is it that we all have a tendency to procure or to tend to the weed rather than tend to the seed? We obsess about removing the weed, but we forget to water the seed. We obsess with the, I got weeds, rather than, baby, I got seed. Does the weed have that much control to take out the word in your life? Because last time I saw, it was his word that sent the cosmos into existence, spoke life into nothing, and created everything. That same word is in that book. That same word hidden on the inside of you is the same power that God spoke the universe into existence with. Why would you think a weed has a power to choke out a word? Maybe it's the reason because you don't believe the word yet. Maybe because you don't trust the word yet. Maybe because you haven't found what the word declares over you yet. The only reason that you would uproot the weed is if you thought that the word or the kingdom did not have enough power to overcome. When the word has no power, you tend to weeds. When the word has power in your life, weeds don't have authority. Stop complaining about your weeds. You only are giving them life. Declare the kingdom and watch the weeds go. Declare the kingdom and watch the weeds go. What is the kingdom? God's way of doing things. How do you find out God's way of doing things? The word. Not the church, the word. What was the church built on? The word. Not production, not lights, not cute this and cute that and all the comforts and coziness of big building church and cool kids church. No, it was built on the word. If your foundation is the word, then when the rains come, you'll still be strong. If your foundation is church, when the rains come, you'll wash out the door. Those who tend to leave the church, and I'm talking about leave it in frustration and hurt. Those who tend to leave the church that they say that God called them to and that they're supposed to be at, the only reason that they walk out the door is because they built it on the fulfillment of the Sunday morning experience rather than the root of the relationship that they have in God. Therefore, if I walk past you and I don't smile, you don't go, I'm leaving this church. The pastor didn't smile at me. Maybe I'm having a bad day. Maybe you need to pray for me. Oh, there's a good one. Maybe I'm tired. Maybe I'm worn out. Maybe I've gone through some stuff this week. Maybe you need to come and stand in agreement with me instead of me always standing in agreement with you. Maybe we should do this together. 
Last part. This is where I close. Verse 30. He says, let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvester to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles and burn them and to put the wheat in the barn. When I got to this part of scripture, I had to realize some stuff. I had to take some looks at Brian. Do y'all ever read your word and then look at yourself? Did you know that the word is there for you to look and reflect you and to find out what you need to correct because the word is about correction? It brings correction. It brings edification. But listen, even edification brings correction. (laughs) It brings encouragement, but even encouragement brings correction. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds. Tie them into bundles and burn them and put the wheat in the barn. You all know my story for the most part. You all know the things I went through in my heart the last couple of years. And the conversations that I had with my doctors where the doctors were like, you got three years to live if we don't fix your heart. And a lot, of, a lot of mortality came on the table. And I went for months sleeping on the couch because I was afraid that I was going to die. And, and I didn't want my wife to wake up to a dead husband. And you go, Pastor, how can you say that? You speak such faith. I know. But I got lost in the weeds. I know where my help comes from. I know my promise. I know my eternity. I know God saved me. I know I'm, I'm his and he's mine. But in a moment of mortality, the enemy sowed seeds in that space because he knew that was my biggest fear. He didn't sow any other seed. He sowed seeds of death because the thought of not existing for years growing up as a kid was something I could not deal with. It would send me into a panic attack. I, I, would, I would literally couldn't breathe. The thought of not existing and then become a father and you've got four kids and a wife and then you go, no, because I have dreams and visions of walking my girls down the aisle and being there for my kids. Like we have these conversations sometimes we talk about like, how old is dad going to be when I'm this age? I don't like that conversation. I just don't like it. I don't enjoy that. I'm like, yeah, no, shut up. Don't talk about it. I'm living forever. That's my promise. I'm living forever. That's just the way I'm choosing to think about it. But I would lay on the couch and I'd go, God, okay, here it comes, here it comes. And, and for those of you who don't know, I had, I had AFib and, and my heart would beat erratically for hours at ends, running at 180, 190 beats a minute for like four and five hours, just laying on the couch. And I was like, your heart muscle cannot take much more of this. If you continue like this, your heart's going to give out. I remember going, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix this. And I got so lost. And I remember this one morning, this one time I was in the hospital and I woke up to my heart, literally, literally, it like stopped. <laughs> it stopped in my sleep and I, I, it shook me out of the bed and I got up and I called my wife and I said, I need you, when you're done today, when the kids get out of school, I need y'all to come to the hospital. Why? I just, I need y'all to come because at that moment, all I could think about was this could be the last moment that I ever see them. I need to see y'all before it's over. And this was where my thought was and I'm laying in a bed and I remember all the nurses clear out the room and I said, God, where are you? Because I don't know what to do. The weeds are too big. Where's your promise? God, where are I? I don't want to die. Three minutes later, my cardiologist walks in the room and he goes, okay, here's the plan. I've already called the specialist. Here's what we're going to do. If you have this surgery, it's going to fix you. You're going to live all the days of your life. 
See, y'all wanted an angel to come down from heaven, the light, the room to glow brighter and all that. But yet God saw, saw a doctor named Dr. Perninkle to walk into a room because God spoke to him when he was in his office. Once he looked at my charge and said, this is what he needs. See, you might see it as, oh, why didn't they do that? I don't know why they didn't. Maybe I had to walk through some stuff. Maybe all of this was so God could perfect me so that I could understand that his ways are greater than the weeds that get sown in the midst of my life. Maybe I needed to have the moment where my heart stopped in my sleep and I woke up from that and I needed to see my kids and I thought that was the answer, but I needed to understand that God had given me my kids. God had given me my wife. All the things I thought I would never have, God promised and he, he performed it and provided and gave it to me. He's not done with me yet. He's still in this thing with me. I got lost in the weeds. You go, Pastor, how are you a pastor? And get lost in the weeds because I am human at nature. That's who I am on the core of this thing. This is Brian. I'm human. When I go home, I'm not pastor. I'm not the guy who stands on a platform and preaches the pulpit. I'm a dude who has struggles. I'm a guy who goes through moments. I'm not the nicest guy all the time. I'm not bubbly and smiling. Praise the Lord all the time. Sometimes I'm in bad moods. Sometimes I don't say the nicest of things. Sometimes I don't love my wife the way I should. But here's the funny thing. When I say stuff like that, mm, see? But you forget you do the same thing. And if his grace is sufficient for you, it's good for me. I've had moments in my life where I've looked at my life and People go, I don't know how you tell your stories all the time. You've been to jail. You've done all these things. You messed up. Man, those are freeing moments for me. I celebrate those things. Because that's how God got my attention. I was going to face 15 years in jail and God saved me. What he did in the word for Paul and Silas, he did for Brian. His word never changes. He fails not. But after pastoring for 13 years, I run into a wall with my mortality. And the enemy goes, weed, weed, weed. And I didn't see it at that moment. I didn't see it. All I saw was the weeds. I'd lay on the couch and just cry and go, God, just can't do this anymore. Weeds. I wanted to give up on life. I started trying to figure out how the church was going to go forward. I tried to figure out who was going to take my place. I started trying, and I never told my wife all these things. And when, was, when I was thinking all this stuff, like, who's going to take the church? Who's going to, I just started trying to deal with it myself. And these weeds just kept coming. And the problem was, is that I was missing a specific moment that the weeds were hiding. And one night I was laying on the couch and God reminded me of a night that I sat in a sanctuary with 4,000 seats empty. And God says, I've called you to declare the kingdom. I've called you to be a preacher, a pastor. Who, me? You can't be talking about this dude. Yes, you. And I remember for nights, I'd go into that sanctuary and just cry to God, God, help me, because this scares the snot out of me. God says, you won't speak your word, you'll speak mine. You trust me in everything. You let me lead and guide you, and I'll take you to places you've never seen before. But the moment you put your opinion into it, I will shut it off. You'll have to trust me. In the midst of all the weeds showing up in my mortality, God reminded me of that night. He said, do you think I lied to you that night? Well, no, God. The Bible says you don't lie. Good, then stop making me one. Because you've let the weeds of your existence choke out the life that I promised you. You're going to hold true to my promise and you're going to let the weeds die. 
get that day. Doctor walks in, gives me a report, sends me to a specialist. We have the surgery. Doctors, I went back three months later. Doctors like, your heart's beating better than a 25-year-old. Why? Because the weeds didn't choke out the seed. God gave you a word. God's given you a promise. Don't let weeds in. And when they show up, celebrate them. Hey, man, I thank God for that weed. Why? Because that means my harvest, my seed's got so much more on it. Because the weeds only show up because the enemy's afraid of the seed that's on the inside of you. If you got kids that are going through moments right now and they got weeds in their life, celebrate the weeds. Because that means there's seed on the inside of them. And the enemy is petrified of that seed taking root. And if that seed takes root, it will destroy the kingdom of darkness and cause the kingdom of God to come into play. And we'll see the fruit of that thing manifest in the earth. With the heart thing, I remember that. With my dad's thing, I remember that. Like going through a season where my dads didn't love me. I'd said dad's plural because I have a real dad and a stepdad. And neither one of them finished the race. They both bailed. And I remember getting caught up in that. I'll never be a good dad. I'll never be this. I'll never be that. And God says, you don't, you're missing it. I let you go through that so I could make you a great dad in me. Ah, okay, God, I get it. He told me, he said, you spent your entire life tending to weeds. And I need you to attend the seed. Be careful what you speak and how you live. And don't create an alternate life to what God's called you to do or called you to be. Stop tending to the weeds. Tend to the seed and see what comes out of it. Everybody stand to your feet. Things will come, things will go, seasons will happen, things will change. But God never does. There are those of you in this room right now that have felt that God has forgotten about you or God's quit on you. I know you. I can feel you right now. I can feel you in this room. God, 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 God's not here. God, God quit on me. He, I don't feel that anymore, Pastor. I don't feel that anymore. I don't feel that anymore. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the weeds have become bigger than your seed. And instead of you spending all of your time trying to weed whack the weeds down, I need you to go find the seed and tend to the seed. I need you to get out your water, which is your time. Here it comes. And I need you to water the seed. See, all y'all caught up in the fact that I just pour water on the floor. Carpets will dry, but the seed will produce. Oh, but pastor, I got to tend to the weed. I got, I got to fix this. Uh-uh. I'm going to pour out my water. And I'm going to tend to the seed. I want to have a great marriage. I'm going to tend to the seed, baby. I'm not going to tend to frustration. I'm going to tend to the seed. My kids aren't doing right. Tending the seed, baby. I got a promise. Things aren't working the way I want them to. I'm going to tend to the seed. I got a promise. Pastor, why are you never worried about stuff? Because it doesn't make any sense to be worried about stuff. Why am I going to worry about stuff? Because all that is is a distraction for me to lose sight of the promise that I have. Y'all are getting freaked out, aren't y'all? It's going to cause mold. We're going to have black mold in the church. Give me another bottle. I'll do it again. 
Why? Because I'm not worried. What I'm more worried about is you getting the point that it's time to water the seed. Leave the weeds. Tend to the seed. Watch the harvest come. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. I love this statement. As the masterpiece that God painted in heaven. The other night we were, God, I gotta tell the story because I just thought about it. The other night my daughter and my kids were painting at the house. Yesterday morning we come in and my wife had left. You never leave a six-year-old to paint paper. She was covered from fingertip to elbow in blue. My wife said, you look like a smurf. No, I don't. Yes, you do. And it wouldn't come off. <laughs> I'm like, you're going to go to church blue tomorrow. No. But we were, we were, dad was scrubbing it off her arms and stuff. We finally got it off. Amen. And, and you were throwing stuff away. And she said, don't throw it away. Don't throw my artwork. She said something. She goes, it's my masterpiece. She said it just kind of quietly to me. Those are my masterpiece. What we thought was trash to her was a masterpiece. Oh, I saw a moment in that one. It hit me like a freight train. He said, Brian, there's a lot of things you throw away thinking it's trash. And I called them to be a masterpiece in your life. You see them as weeds, and I called them to bring fruit to cause that seed to grow on the inside of you. Stop freaking out because it's not the way you want it. Understand that I've got a plan in all of this. I don't see the masterpiece in the artwork. I see a bunch of colors slung on a piece of paper. But to my daughter's six-year-old mind, that's the greatest thing she's ever done. Even the blue on her hand was a masterpiece. And we as parents go, no, it's a disaster. She's like, uh-uh, I did the best work I've ever done. How, look how cool I am. Stop walking around wondering where the masterpiece is. Go catch a glimpse in the mirror today. You might finally see it. You are the seed of God. Oh, this, I love when I do this because it gets greater revelation. You are a seed planted amongst weeds. Y'all are missing this right now. I'm, I'm about to run around the room because I just got crazy revelation. Y'all are seeds planted amongst weeds. Stop worrying about the weeds, baby. Be the seed. And watch what you produce in the earth. There is greatness on the inside of you. There is power on the inside of you. There's an anointing on the inside of you, baby. Be the seed. There'll always be weeds. But weeds only make the seed that much more valuable. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this moment. If you're in this place, say, Pastor, I want to be the seed. I'm tired of dealing with the weeds. My eyes have been caught up in the weeds. I want to be on the seed. I want to focus on the seed. I'm ready to grow. And I'm talking everyone from leadership, staff, to some church member. I don't care who you are in this room. Say, Pastor, I need to get my eyes off the weeds and get my eyes on the seed. If that's you, will you lift your hand and say, that's me? I'm going to be honest with you. I stand in this moment with both hands lifted. It's real easy for me to look at the weeds. But it takes greater power and strength to look at the seed. So, Father, for every hand that's lifted in this moment, I declare right now that every scale be wiped away from their eyes and that they finally see the way you intended for them to see. 
that they don't get lost in the pain and lost in the past. They get excited about the future and they stop getting stuck in political thoughts and social thoughts and economical thoughts, but they get lost in your kingdom, which says that everything is provided. Everything is taken care of from the beginning to the end, from the alpha to the omega, from the first to the last. There is nothing missing, nothing broken, that you are our peace. You are our joy. You are everything that we need, God. Father, let us stop worrying about the weeds and embrace the seed. Let the seed take root and let it bring forth a harvest in its season. Everything, God, that I have is because of the word. Father, I pray that that become the desire of each one of our hearts today. Today I declare in the name of Jesus that no one will ever see the weed again as a problem, but will see it as a sign of the promise that the seed is about to bear fruit. Let us not get lost in the weeds. Let us become the seed. Now there are those of you in this room who are just staying right where you are. There are those of you in this room that need Jesus in your life. If that's you and you're in this room, you need to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I don't want you to walk out of this place going to hell. I want you to make it to heaven with me. This is not a scare tactic. It's not if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? No, this is a straight up statement. I love you too much to watch you live your life in sin any longer. And today I'm asking you to renounce sin and to receive the Savior. If that's you in this place, will you just shoot your hand straight up and say, that's me, Pastor, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Now, if you got your hand lifted, you say, I need Jesus. I want you to come to this altar right now. Move right now. Don't even hesitate. Move right now. Move right now. Staff, follow up behind them, but move right now. Move, 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 move. Some of you are still questioning. Some of you are still doubting. Some of you are still trying to figure out what you're going to do next. Is that me? Am I supposed to come? Yes, you're supposed to come. Come on. Come on. This is the last moment we're going to do this. Fill up the front right here. Come on. Nobody, you're not going to be in the way if you stand in front of me. I'm going to say something very strong, but out of love. There are some of you still standing in your seat going, I'm not saying nothing because I don't want them to see that I'm a sinner. Let me help you with something. I've been to more altars probably than you have in your entire life. It's the altar that changed me. It's the altar that shifted me. So if you stand up here and say, I need Jesus, I want you to lift both hands. If you stand up here and say, I need Jesus, just come on, just surrender. This is a sign of surrender. This isn't some church thing. This is a sign of surrender. This doesn't make you weird. This is a sign of surrender. God, I give up. I'm tired, man. I'm worn out. I don't want to do it my way anymore. I want to do it your way. I'm giving up. My way's not working. I'm ready to do it the right way. And we're going to say this with you as a family, and then we're going to go home today. Say this with me all across this place. Say, God, I need you now. Say it again. Say, God, I need you now. I'm ready to receive everything that you have for me. So today, I give up. I renounce. I walk away from my sin. And I ask you, to forgive me. Make my heart brand new.
ready to be used by you. So today, I declare Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm His, and He's mine. Today, there is a celebration of heaven for me because my name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I am no longer blotted out. I've been received by my Creator, and I'm ready to live in His kingdom, not my own. Today, I'm free. Father, I speak to every thought and imagination that would say anything contrary. I speak to every assignment of the enemy that would try to change that thought by the time they get to their car. And I declare in the name of Jesus that when they lay their head on their pillow tonight, the one declaration that will be in their minds and in their hearts is that I am a child of the Most High God. I am no longer an orphan. I am no longer abandoned. I have found my family. I have found the kingdom. And I have found my king. And I will never walk this world alone ever again. Father, I declare that over them right now. Take us from this place. Hmm. Look at me. I don't care what's behind you. Walk forward. No, look, no, stay where I'm saying. Don't keep looking. He's like, I'm out. I'm going. You told me to go. I'm out. Understand what I mean by this. There are things in your past that weigh heavy. God said today, no longer will they be at your backside. You look forward. You are not who you were. You are everything he's calling you to be. Become everything he's called you to be. Do you hear me? Do not. Look at me. Not one more day of you beating yourself up. Not one more. Nobody cares. I don't even care. I don't want to know about it. God knows about it. That's all. But he says, I'm not giving you this for your past. I'm giving you this for your future. Walk forward. Don't wonder when it's coming. It's not coming. Leave it alone. Stop getting caught up in the week. Trust it. There's a seed now that's been planted in you. It's about to bring some crazy fruit into your life. You are not broken. You are not your past. You are everything God's called you to be. Do you understand me? That's the word of the Lord for you today. Take the hand of the hand of the neighbor standing next to you. Y'all better, y'all better make me say prayer real quick because I feel all kinds of stuff in me right now. Can I just be obedient for a second? Why is it that every chase I go to, you're there? For years. Starbucks too. Who knew you'd ever walk in this door? But God. Here's a word for you. The assignment is real. Walk in it. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You have joy all over you. There's never been a day I've ever seen you that I thought you were having a bad day. Even if you were having a bad day. That is a gift from God on your life. 
And I just want to speak that over you. Because tomorrow morning, when you wake up, you're going to feel joy even more than you've ever felt it. Get ready. Because the seed's about to take root. Father, we thank you for what you've done in this house. Thank you for every life that stands in this room. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus as we walk out of this place today, we will not forget, but we will walk into this thing with fullness. Understanding that, God, you've got a purpose. There's a seed on the inside of us. Let whatever weeds come, let them come. Because when it's over, they're just going to burn up and the wheat is going to have the value in our lives. Father, let us be the seed in the earth. Let us bring forth a harvest that brings forth your kingdom. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Let the word become our daily bread. Father, as we march through this week, God, I declare that the word become alive on the inside of each one of us. Father, we can't rest until we get into your word. And we can't just go through another church service here and another sermon. But that, God, we would have a desire to grow in you. That when you bring us back to this place next week, we will come with an expectation. Because there's another treasure waiting to be uncovered. But God, let us uncover treasures all week long because we are consistently going after you. Take us from this place this morning. Give us traveling mercies as we go home. Help us to enjoy the Super Bowl even though we don't really care who's playing. Father, we give you all the praise, the glory, the honor, the adoration that's due you. We declare all of these things. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.